Okay, welcome to our first podcast here, and we are called Defining Crypto, and really our main goal is to focus on use cases or business cases behind various cryptocurrencies available. Yes, and uh, as always, just uh, for a disclaimer, this is not financial advice. That's not our goal or intent here. Um, our goal is to really analyze the usefulness of the projects that are behind crypto and then help kind of educate the general mass public or the everyday layman who doesn't know a lot about technology or might not know a lot about the blockchain in general or what we're talking about and how this could potentially be transformative, um, how this could actually impact their lives or, or the usefulness of some of these projects that uh, they're hearing about. Yes, you know, you're so right. I mean, most of the conversations I have outside of a few folks of friends, it, a lot of it is how does this stuff work? You know, can you tell me how this works or can you explain this to me? And so I think it's going to be very valuable and look forward to sharing a lot of the information we have and for us to learn more too, potentially from folks that are listening. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's probably one of the key goals for me is I'd like to get plugged into the community and learn myself, you know? Yes, yes, for sure. So I think for the first one uh, to run down, one that we both are uh, keeping an eye on ourselves personally <laughs> um, is Cardano. ADA is uh, the coin right now that is most popular, at least I think when people refer to it. Um, and we have some ideas that we want to talk about as it relates to what it is, you know, the types of problems it can solve and, and anything else that we have on our mind about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cardano is, and I'm just going to lay my bias right out on the table, Joe, immediately. It's probably one of my favorite projects that I've looked into. And Joe's laughing because I'm always talking about it. And um, he just, he's probably tired of hearing about it by now, but it's definitely one of my favorite. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, you know, at least what they're attempting to accomplish. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited. And it's actually a hot commodity today. It's a, it's a big topic uh, in the sphere. So I think everyone's going to be hearing about this very soon if they haven't already. Yeah, I agree. And I'll, t I'll have to tell you, yes, I, I was chuckling when you're going through that because I didn't really hear about it until you were pumping it up to me. Uh, and when I went and looked at it, I'll tell you, I, it's something that I am am invested in. It's actually one of my top five. Um, and, and I do have a lot of uh, faith in it, to be honest with you, but it's only because I've spent so much time looking into it and, you know, talking with you about it, of course, that that has really, that's really ignited my, uh, my excitement here. And the other thing too, and, and we can get into this, but I mean, you know, talking about what it is and what they're really aiming to do there are, dare I say, infinite, you know, opportunities here. Yeah, it's, it's really, they've laid a foundation, right, for people to build. And I think uh, people have said it's the same thing with Ethereum, right? It's, we've, we've laid a foundation and an infrastructure with which to build a city. And, and people will be building cities and buildings on top of this kind of foundation is kind of the idea. But, you know, before we go into that, let's kind of back up and just talk in general about what it is, because people might not know what Ethereum is yet at this point. Um, and I think we, we just kind of want to back up and talk at the very basics. And so when we say, what is Cardano? 
or ADA? Well, it's actually a collection of protocols and technology that allows someone to transform, store, or manage items of value, identity, and governance. And that's a lot of, of uh, crazy big words there, but essentially it is a direct competitor to kind of the structure of our current banking system or a number of different things where we deal with identity, whether it's in social media, uh, whether it's in some government site where uh, you're getting loans, or if it's a uh, banking and you're getting loans, or uh, you're trying to establish a deal for land or anything really dealing with that aspect of a ledger where we're storing uh, an event or some type of value or an exchange of value between people. And so um, it really is a direct competitor to those existing systems. And Cardano and then the other project, which is a competitor to it, Ethereum, have both built their versions on top of the blockchain. And the management for those are decentralized. So uh, what we can't do is if somebody writes something on a uh, social media website built on one of these infrastructures, um, we can't go and take their stuff down if they say something bad about it. Or what we can't do is if uh, so-and-so has some type of exchange of value, some big bank isn't going to go in and change their records or things of that nature. So it's really going back to square one, rethinking a lot of the basic structure of the functionality of most of our systems around finance, banking, um, exchanges of value or storing of value and in rethinking of that at its basic level. Yeah. And, and that is, that's a very good explanation. Very good. Um, and I mean, can you talk to also, I mean, Ethereum is going through an upgrade right now, right? We've heard a lot about ETH two and, um, that it's supposed to be more energy efficient and some other things that they're bringing to the table. How does Cardano com compete from that perspective? Yeah, well, you know, again, I don't, we, we don't know the full fact of what Cardano is going to do, but based off of the current test, it's supposed to be far more energy efficient, orders of magnitude. Uh, you know, they're claiming it's 10,000 times more efficient uh, as far as the electricity that it needs to use. And it's the way that they're doing things. And again, for, those that might not know, you know, there's a lot of criticism in the current crypto uh, universe in the mainstream media or the mainstream uh, kind of, uh, you know, talking points that there is a massive amount of computation power required for Bitcoin to operate its, its uh, programming protocol or its functional protocol that it has. And um, there is a big energy cost, especially with the way some of these companies, you know, they're buying these big buildings and putting all these servers in these big buildings. And it's, you know, not great for the environment around them and how they're handling them. And, and uh, so there's a lot of criticism in there. And, you know, one of the big distinguishing factors for Cardano is that it is trying to uh, do its node system where you know, that stuff is not really a factor, right? And so it's it's trying to take a different structure, way less energy, a different allocation of resources. Um, and they're using various things like uh, kind of carrot and stick type of, of, um, of uh, tools, if you will, to try to entice people to behave certain ways in their ecosystem. Um, so, you know, we, we could 
potentially get in the details, but that's that's the gist of it. And Ethereum, you know, in comparison, it does use a little bit more electricity, but I think Ethereum is going to solve this problem with an update that they've got coming um, this year. So, um, and, you know, there's a lot to kind of put in perspective on that argument, even if there is criticism out in the market of Bitcoin, uh, you know, in comparison to the amount of power that we're using for some of this other stuff that we do on a daily basis, it's yeah. kind of comical that this point is is uh, brought up in general. Well, yeah, I don't want to get too far off, but I agree. When I was hearing the whole hullabaloo about, you know, Tesla and them, you know, moving away from Bitcoin because of the lack of energy efficiency, uh, it's interesting that no one has asked Tesla what they're doing with all of the batteries that they're going to end up with at some point with their used cars. And, you know, some of the things that they're still challenged with, it seems like they maybe weren't looking in the mirror when they uh, made some of those comments. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, I think both Ethereum and Cardano will do a pretty good job of, of handling some of the energy consumption problems. I agree. I, I totally agree. So. If if we if we take maybe um, you know, take some of the news maybe that has been out there about Cardano recently um, and like for example Africa uh, some countries in Africa looking at using Cardano as their currency um, what do you, do you have any thoughts on that or is that something we want to tug on and and maybe talk about I mean I know you hit it at a high level around what Cardano does and how it can provide that store of value in a decentralized fashion. Um, is there anything that we want to touch on related to some of that stuff? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just to go back kind of the basics of what Cardano is going to do, it's going to allow you to exchange goods and values. And and there's a lot to that, right? And I think we it would bear uh, a lot of fruit for us to dive into that just before the Africa thing, because I think it'll put some stuff into perspective, right? Okay. So when we talk about the storage and management of instruments of values today, right? We think of like buying stocks or buying houses, or, you know, if I want to sell Joe something, I have to go to eBay or Craigslist or something. And then there's some kind of exchange of value there. And we're using the PayPal system and we're getting fees in between. Or if you think about artists that are using iTunes, you listen to their song and then it goes through a complex set of, of networks and computations. And then everybody in between, there's a distributor that's getting a piece of that. Apple's getting a piece of that. Then the record label's getting a piece of that. And by the way, you can't get on there unless you're part of some record label, et cetera. And then the artist is very getting, you know, a very minuscule amount uh, for their work and things of that nature. And then the other transformative thing is, is, you know, the banking fees and, uh, talking about lending and and who you have to go through with lending or the amount of savings that you could get from a savings account. It's probably 0.65% in most savings accounts and banks, uh, which does not keep up with the value of uh, inflation of your money. So you're actually just losing money if you keep it in those those banks. And then the last thing is the difficulty kind of it is to legitimately trade value for somebody, right? So I would have to go through some source and, and 
Um, I would have to go through middlemen if I had art or some kind of stock or things of that nature. And eventually what this will do when we talk about the storage and value is you'll be able to really put anything that you have that somebody else may find potentially valuable or an amalgamation of it, right? You think of today's ETFs, you could put a combination package of financing together and sell it to other people. And they would own portions of your property because you needed liquidity for whatever you were trying to do or, or uh, if you were trying to fund something. So it's going to make you know, the financial situation much more creative and potentially lucrative in that fashion. So you know, that expands on that so greatly. And I don't think people understand the power of that because you're, you're getting these middlemen out. But when you talk about Cardano, one of its intentions is to make the developing world a better place, right? And its focus, the, the founder was very adamant, is it can't just work for uh, people in developed countries. It also has to work in Ethiopia equally, right? The idea is that we have a financial system that anyone in the world can get on and get treated the exact same, regardless of who they are, regardless of the government in question uh, and, and things of that nature. So that's really yeah. the point. And so why Africa was critical was they had to go there really first to prove out the validating point of their system. That's really the heart of the matter. It doesn't matter if they can deploy and get some customers in the U.S. for what they're kind of trying to accomplish. If they're really trying to change the world and really trying to help these folks get access to capital, like these uh, farmers that can't get access to capital and these uh, banks that, you know, make them have loans for what, like 70% interest or, you know, if I put my money in a bank down there, I have, they take like a month's wage just for using the banking system down there because they don't have credit scores. They don't have all right. of these things that we have to kind of establish uh, that someone's credible or et cetera. So, um, you know, there's legitimate problems in these countries that we're not solving. And we've had these same banking systems in place for a hundred years or so, like ridiculous amounts of times that have not really changed in how they operate um, as, as they have come along with technology and really, you know, the point of uh, Cardano is to solve a lot of those problems. So the fact that they've gone into some place in Africa, Ethiopia right now, they've established a contract with them. Um, they're going to provide a service for identity to them yeah. is huge. And it opens up the door for, well, you know, a massive amount of the world, which is unbanked and a massive amount of wealth that people had no idea, you know, and probably don't even think about that exists out there today. Yes, I totally agree. And I think you, yes. And thank you for tying that all together. And the, the gist of it really too is, you know, like you said, it's, it's opening up the opportunities to folks that wouldn't normally have those opportunities, whether it is, like you're saying, to get a loan, you have to have a credit check. Well, and what better place to start something and show the value that it can bring to a developing country than Ethiopia, you know, starting it off there, showing that, you know, like you're saying, having a farmer to get them to get some capital, we can use this different method of doing that, that is less costly and onerous to the actual farmer, and they'll be able to get maybe even more than what they need. And be able to then build on that and then continue 
to see the benefits of that. And, and I, I applaud them for going to Ethiopia. I mean, you know, a lot of other places might have picked New York City or, you know, Silicon Valley or something. And we know that stuff can work there. This is where I think is going to be the real opportunity to show the real value in what they can provide. Yeah. And, you know, it's a tough job, too, right? Because there's no telling the criminal element there, the government control takeover, right? It's a true test of the decentralized nature of what the system is supposed to do. Um, and so I think if it proves itself out there in Ethiopia, it can prove itself out anywhere. Yes, I totally agree. And not to get off of Ethiopia, but um, one of the other things that you had chatted about just briefly there was NFTs. And um, I saw a an article today that MLB, sorry for all the acronyms, but MLB is going to be auctioning off the NFT of Lou, the Lou Gehrig speech, the famous Lou Gehrig speech. They announced that today, um, along with their desire to, you know, jump all into NFTs. So um, that's a whole nother exciting opportunity because like you had talked about, if you have artwork or things like that, that has, you know, a store value, um, NFTs are, you know, really looking to replace that or be another kind of artistic component that would reside on the blockchain to have a store of value. Is that right? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's changing the game for, I think, artists, independent artists. You know, we talked about the element of them having to go from middlemen. But, yeah, it's it's funny. I, I don't know how many of these things are going to stick or what's going to be fad or phases. You know, we've got people trading videos like uh, i think uh charlie goes to the dentist yeah. or kid charlie bit my finger oh yeah charlie bit my finger video you know i'm pretty sad if there's going to be like a limited quantity so uh, was there a limited quantity of the lou gehrig speech that they're going to do i guess or or what is how's that structure set up it actually just came out uh today um but so that is what else is interesting um is you know like they, they're taking this approach with NFTs that, you know, think of an NFT almost as a baseball card, right? Um, but that baseball card, the NFT version is a signed baseball card. Now, that doesn't mean that no one else can view that or see it or know it's available. Everyone else can have a copy of it. But the person that has that specific code, you know, underlying code on that NFT, that's the person that owns it. And that's the actual store of value. Everything else is just another Pops baseball card, but with no signature. Right. Yeah. And uh, it does have that signature element too. So yes. Um, you know, the idea for, for those is that it takes some digital asset and it creates a limited quantity of it or a rarity to it. Right. And some people see that as valuable. So but this idea is going to bear out, I think, in many, many forms, right? Um, when we talk about NFTs, the thing that I'm most excited about, I think, are the applications. And what I think is going to make the NFT market explode, uh, well, of course, music is an obvious one. Film yeah. is another one, right? It's really hard for the film projects that were already on the internet beforehand, before NFTs exist, to really be kind of protected from the element of what the NFT provides. Um but when we talk about the um, when we talk about you know moving forward, uh, when we talk about the gaming community. Uh, 
a lot of people don't realize there, you know, when you go develop a game, you're using a platform um, and there's a lot of prefabricated things that were built for you. So uh, I don't have to remake the little guy that runs around and chases you and shoots you. Somebody has already coded all of that stuff. They've already rigged up all of the three dimensional animation, which takes days, weeks, most of the time uh, they have already put in the algorithms for, you know, uh, AI components with that. Um, they've included the bullet shooting trajectory, mathematics code, and all of the different things that can come from having to build your own character. Now I can just go and get a prepackaged character, change the way it looks on the outside, and it still behaves the same. And I've cut down on my work, you know, by, you know, nine-tenths, right? Of 90% of my work is is now gone. So this is a huge thing just for making games, um, which, you know, you can now trade with these non-fungible tokens, which basically just puts a smart contract. And again, they don't have to make them rare or, or anything, but it does this make this more secure. It makes them not have to go through anybody else. Um, and it, you know, it really provides a, an entrepreneurial element to the work um, uh, that everybody's going to get treated fairly again when they uh, use this contract because it's going to be very open and visible with what's going on there in the contracts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Go ahead. It just you just made me think of something like movies. You talked about movies. I mean, would is it possible for this to be an anti-piracy um, mechanism to where you know you have this smart contract that you know that Joe. Bill or Bob should own this thing and they should be the ones viewing it. And anyone that's, you know, transferring that file over the interwebs, they probably shouldn't be able to view that. Well, yeah, I'm, I, it could definitely do that. Right. Cause you could have only signatures with mm -hmm. this are supposed to be allowed to watch it. Right. But um, I, I don't know if um, I think as long as there is a mechanism to record someone's screen, there's like nothing that they can do about piracy. So I, you know, I say film, um, I fully see there being times where at least we're going to run into one idea where somebody's going to be like, we're going to do an NFT movie and only the first, you know, million people that come to see it are going to get to see it. Right. And it, it could be the worst movie ever, but at least they got a million people to go pay and see it. And they made millions yep. of dollars off of it. That's going to happen at least I would say five or 10 times. <laughs> Yeah. in the very near future in my opinion but yeah you, you know it's it's hard to to know what's going to stay around in my opinion with nfts a lot of people see application i definitely see application there but i think the gaming community is going to explode it right you, when you've got things like roblox or minecraft or league of legends people don't understand how long those things have been around league of legends is probably almost a decade year yeah. old right and You've got people, it, it's, it's, if I could explain it, it's kind of like a Grateful Dead type of, of following uh, around this, right? You've got a very huge core fan base and there's so many inside jokes and there's so many things that they only did one time that only a few people have and, and people want that and they're willing to pay money for it. So you're going to be able to see artists and creators produce content like that. I think that'll be unique. Um, and then the the sports element. I think, you know, a lot of people watch Twitch now and they're moving to this um, thing where they're 
watching sports a lot, right? So again, it's going to make these NFTs, in my opinion, shine out and be more popular. So I think the gaming industry is going to make the NFT market absolutely shoot through the roof. Oh yeah, oh, my kids play Roblox like crazy, and so and they're always buying Robux, and so just imagine, yeah, if they could, you know, take something to where you know you're using an actual, you know, their own coin for their own uh, their own gaming platform, and that's how they're moderating it, right? I mean, using it all through a crypto. I mean, that would really actually, I mean, I would not be surprised if if that is what we would see at least like you're saying some of those cult following ones that have been around for a while that are in esports and you know i mean have a real following i do see where some of them are gonna capitalize on this yeah and i think it's gonna be the new entrepreneur's route too right because um when you think about like uh if i wanted to get capital for an idea where would I go if I was kind of on my own and watching YouTube or whatever? I'd try to go to what Kickstarter or crowdfunded or Patreon or or something of that nature. Well, um, now I can kind of launch my own platform and then I can put my own coin together and do my own offering and I can go and just put an address on there and people can send money directly to me. I don't have to uh, do any of this other stuff. I could have a smart contract that you know, says, you know, you pay me, I give you some type of value or a shirt or whatever it is. I don't need Kickstarter exactly. anymore to, to raise capital. And guess what? Kickstarter can't shut me down if they don't like the project that I'm working on. Uh, and that's the big difference here. And I think it's going to be super appealing to entrepreneurs once they realize what in the hell's going on with the, the overarching community. Uh, but, you know, I think NFTs, Probably they're they're definitely going to be a good place on Cardano because it's just one of those things we're talking about a storage of an instrument of value, right? Mm -hmm. And again, as I said, it's going to get real blurry over what's an instrument of value in the future because this is basically opening up the door to more of a barter trade type system too. Where you know back in the old days, people used to trade like belongings and. You know, I'll yeah. give you this stuff for this and et cetera. You'll be able to do more of that type of exchange of value far more easy uh, without having banks and, and things involved. And uh, there will be different structures for all of this. Uh, but it'll be safe because they've got ways, again, to handle identity and credibility. Like we would, again, instead of us having to use big onerous systems like, oh, I have to use this huge company and I have to have a lot of money to go get credit scores all the time. Now I don't really because this is provided on this platform, or at least that's the theory. Yeah, or I want to like yours. I think Kickstarter is one that's a very that that area is going to be disrupted because, like you're saying, a what if you know Kickstarter doesn't approve of my venture? The Kickstarter takes a percentage of my fees. You know, there are a lot of things that one could get back you know, in that realm. And it's something that I would hope, you know, starters thinking about and trying to plan for, because th that's the other thing is, in my opinion, and we've talked about this on the side is this whole blockchain cryptocurrency, you know, wave that is upon us. It is very much akin to the internet age of the nineties. And when we talk about entrepreneurial opportunities, they, they really are limitless. I mean, Anywhere from, you know, having NFTs to, 
I mean, heck, starting your own venture to games, you know, I mean, there is just, it's just ripe for opportunity. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the other interesting things, and again, one of the reasons I like Cardano um, that we talked about, not only is it the problems are solving and how they approach the problem, but when you talk about like games, so Cardano is probably not going to be the best for games, um, but they're going to benefit from the NFTs so much, right? They benefit so much from the store value and Cardano is trying to make their inter- their system interoperable with other chains. So other things like uh, Ethereum and Dot and Elrond, they're assuming they're going to exist and they'll just make it easier. So, you know, if you think about um, applications that we're making, I could, in theory, have a game built on Ethereum, but use a Cardano mechanism to exchange value back and forth with my users uh, if I find it more safe or more secure than what Ethereum is providing as far as a decentralized exchange or or some type of exchange mechanism on there. So um, they're making it really easy for you know you to operate with pretty much anything. So if any kind of chain you know, benefits from it. Cardano still has an opportunity to benefit from the benefits of all the other chains succeeding as well. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's why we like it too. (laughs) So, um, you know, Joe, one of the things that, um, I, I get, you know, I hear a lot about is a lot of people don't like Charles Hoskinson. You've heard me mention, and for those of you who don't know, that's that's kind of the the de facto leader who kind of uh, founded um, Cardano. He used to, he also founded or helped found uh, Ethereum, and he was a co-founder there. Um, and then he went and started this Cardano project. So, um, you know, what is your kind of take on this guy? And, um, you know, is it like a Donald Trump situation where it's like, you know, I, you know, man, I just wish he'd shut his mouth sometimes or, you know, what do you think? You know, he is a person that he is necessary, I think. Um, but I do think at times he's too much. Um, but, but, you know, that's he just doesn't balance that very well. Um I do, though, think that he has helped to bring a community around Cardano. I think he's helped to get a lot of attention to the platform and what they're looking to do and what they're looking to provide. Um, I think because of his personal involvement and convictions, he is challenged to, you know, kind of distinguish between being on a soapbox and providing information to people. But, you know, at the same time, that's uh, everyone's, you know, free speech kind of element. But I, I, I do cringe at times when I get links from you uh, with videos of him, but I know I'm going to learn something and I know that there is going to be beneficial information in there. It's just, you know, I might have to pluck it out of that 30 minute video, but I, he's, you know, he's obviously a very smart individual. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a different fellow. Yeah. He, boy, um, he's a lot. He's a lot. It's uh, you're not going to ever wonder where you stand with the guy. He's just one of those types. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't mean to make a comparison of him. I'm I'm not trying to no. uh, say anything about Trump. It's just one of the things people always say to me about Trump, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I like him. I just wish he'd shut his mouth every now and then. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Uh, Charles is he. 
I just crack up, right? He just like uh, seems like he's uh, got a lot on his mind. Uh, but I I think that in my opinion, I think he's just got a really strong vision, and um, you know, he's a he's definitely a really smart guy. He's got a really strong vision, highly opinionated. Um, that's I think is a great leader. I think he does a lot to educate the community. I think he does a lot to break things down, layman. I really think he's more down to earth than people realize. Like he's just so smart and so in the literature. The guy talks like he's a PhD scientist all the time now. And I, I think sometimes he goes over people's heads a little bit, but he's actually pretty laid back and he tries to break things down in a very simple manner. Yeah, I agree. And I think what's nice too is, you know, he clearly learned from what he helped provide with Ethereum and he is looking to how he can perfect that and, and really get something that's a step above and, you know, filling in some of the gaps that Ethereum had. And I, that, I love him for that, to be honest with you. Um, and like you said, when, when, after you watch a couple of his videos, he is easy to absorb. And, and once you get to realize, you know, kind of his approach to things, then you, you, you certainly can start to see, you know, where he's going down a rabbit hole and, and when he's really providing a lot of good value and educational information to his audience. Yeah. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I forgot to throw in there. One of the things he mentioned when uh, somebody had asked him a question or, or criticized him a little bit about, uh, you know, his personality or whatever. And they'd say, would you say you're difficult to work with? And he said, well, I wouldn't say I was difficult to work with. I'd say that I'm very principled. And when I can't do basic things like provide customer support, or I right. feel like somebody's going to lose a lot of their money, I get very annoyed, right? He's one of those guys, right? So yeah. I, I do think he's probably difficult to work with. But, you know, when I think back and I think of like Steve Jobs, right, there was those infamous stories of like, people didn't want to make eye contact with jobs in an elevator, because he would ask him a question like, well, what have you innovated on this last week? And they'd if they couldn't give him a good answer, he'd fire him, you know, like an elevator on the way up. So yes. it's yeah. notorious uh, for these types of folks that do this type of stuff to uh, be very strongly opinionated. And 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 on the intellectual side, and if, if you're not there with them, it is going to be a challenge until you find kind of that medium where you can communicate to, to together, you know, and not bump into those challenges. Yeah. So... I, you know, if I were to say my worry factor on Hoskins' personality, it's probably a five out of 10, I'd be honest. I'm about 50-50 on it. I think one, it's a double-edged sword, right? If I were to say it, like, I think he's going to get them attention. 100%. I think there's no doubt about we're going to get plenty of attention. He's done a lot for that community to get it up to speed. He's done a lot for the space. He's hellaciously smart. He can debate in any environment. On the other hand, the more you run your mouth, the more risk you run of saying something that um, could really overshadow everything that you've done, right? Perception, it doesn't matter what Ada is. I feel like, you know, if Charles doesn't watch it, he could actually overshadow everything he's trying to actually do um, just because that's how human beings work. Yep, I totally agree. In fact, it's interesting because, um, you know, whenever I thought about that, 
the first thing that came to my mind was, and you even kind of had to mention it, you know, who is Charles? Well, he's, you know, a co-creator of Ethereum and worked on Cardano. The, the thing is, I don't know that today everyone is, you know, tying Charles to Cardano the way that they, you know, tie um, Ethereum to the Vitalik uh, individual that helped, you know, create Ethereum, right? He, his name is always brought up whenever you hear Ethereum. Today, I don't know that that is the same case with Charles and Cardano, but when it does become like that, then that's when he is going to have more challenges with, you know, expressing his his ideas. Yeah, and he, he is known to uh, cuss people out. You could, yes. you could check his own channel out on uh, YouTube. So uh, if you say <laughs> something to him, he may actually respond directly to you and... Uh, I don't know if you're going to like the answer, but I can assure you his will be very well thought out and uh, he will say something that will challenge you. I can assure and, you that. And it will be in the public domain in YouTube <laughs> comments. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So uh, be prepared. Yes. Um, and quick plug, we also have a YouTube channel um, that we will be linking to so that you can listen to this on YouTube, but we'll get to that later. But uh, yeah, it, that that to me is the big thing is just once his name becomes synonymous with Cardano outside of the people that live and breathe this, that's when I think we'll start to see his name popping up in the news more and, and we'll see how he handles on that attention. So Joe, the, the other thing too, and, and I try to break down this again, cause we're talking to the layman. So mm -hmm. pardon me for taking the long road on this one again, mm -hmm. you know, here in the application development space, we do things a little bit different than say you would at a factory, right? We, we have a different type of work. We have to do a lot of things that are, uh, you know, what, what's the best way to put it? We have to do a lot of things that are kind of like prototyping and testing to see if it's going to work in, mm -hmm we do a lot, we call it failing fast, right? So we, we yep. throw stuff out there and a group of testers and it doesn't work right. And they have to test it and give it back to us because it's much faster and more uh, cost effective to develop that way. Right. And uh -huh. then we put it out to the real world after it's gone through that. But, you know, it's this approach of fail fast early and often get them all out of the way, get your stuff built into your code and then get it out. Whereas if we were working in the factory, we would try to get everything right and put it and then we would do the work the exact same way all the time. Well, you can't do it. It's different, right? Um, and you're often criticized if you take a long time to try to think through things and be real academic about stuff. And it appears that this is the exact approach Cardano, which is supposed to be an advanced technology, right? Um, took, right? People say, always say they took the quote unquote academic approach. Um, nothing's being done. Nothing's being slow. They call him a scam artist. I mean, what is your opinion on this? Uh, you know, based off of your experience in this application development space? You know, I, so yeah, you're, you refer to the iterative approach in software development where, like you're saying, you fail fast, you put something out there as a, you know, minimum viable pop product that can work and you can get feedback on and then you iterate on. Um, and that is one way. And that is something that you, you do that in a way to get things out to customers quicker to get that feedback and to really get the feature set and that whole product out and working quicker. It's, it's a business kind of, 
um, approach because you want to get some return on that investment right away. And so you want to get something out there to start getting some return on that investment and then pile that up. And I think that, you know, Cardano taking an academic approach, I mean, I think it goes back to what, you know, Charles learned from working with Ethereum and how they want to tackle Cardano, which is to make sure that they're really taking the right approach here, that they're building something that is scalable and useful for all programming languages and not pinning people into one um, that can, you know, can be used on multiple different platforms. Like those are the types of things that whenever I think about what they're doing with Cardano and this approach that they're taking, to me, that, you know, seems like a very solid approach for what they're trying to build. If you think what we just talked about up to this point, (laughs) all of the opportunities that are in that platform, there, you know, there's quite a bit to get right. And you can get a lot wrong if you just take a, you know, a fast approach to it. I feel like they're really trying to make sure they get it figured out so that when they do deliver this to the masses, that they have at least thought through as much as possible and have provided the best possible solution. Yeah. And so, you know, this was an interesting one when, when I looked into it, I agree with what you said, by the way, um, in just to kind of frame this for our audience. So what Joe just said, trying to get it right from the get go again in with, with most application developers of today or people that are doing some modern programming developers, this would be a foreign way of thinking, right? Especially if the big, you know, fly by agile community that's, uh, grown up here recently when they're saying, Again, fail fast, fail fast, throw something out there, get something going. And that's exactly precisely the approach, by the way, that Ethereum took to this, right? Vitalik was a very young developer when he started doing Ethereum, and Hoskinson was young as well. He was in his 20s as well. But when I started looking into this, it is for the reasons you said, Joe, because guess what? We had to go back and kind of redo the foundation, which is much different than your average everyday application development projects. We're not putting together a foundational protocol every day when I'm just doing some little gaming app or something or or not. And so when when you listen to the way that uh, Charles approaches this, again, we said he's very principled. Well, he displayed that in his approach that he took, right? Because he went and got cryptography scientists and if you don't know what cryptography is, it's the it's the ones and zeros that every computer ultimately runs on, and it can be hella complicated, okay? It's uh-huh. terribly complicated, and you have to be very good at math and understanding a lot of abstract math to kind of go through that type of stuff. Uh, but he got, you know, some research done there. He got research done on coding languages, brought in people for Haskell. What's the best thing to do to secure these transactions? but also give people uh, the, uh, I would say, the accuracy of a scalpel or the, you know, the effectiveness of a scalpel, but also the breadth that they would need to kind of cover the financial system, uh, basically. And when you look at this, most financial systems are actually built in Haskell. So he's accessing a huge market of already existing programmers that have been using Haskell for the basics or the foundation of today's financial system. So he's already got an attractant um, of, of developers or pool once this thing is launched to pull those guys over. And, you know, Haskell is, is you know, 
credited for being very secure, very well defined. Um, but you, it's very hard to find people to develop in Haskell because you have to be really good in math to develop something very soundly on Haskell, right? And Charles Hoskinson's a mathematician. Yep. Um, uh, but you know, when, when we talk about them taking this academic approach, I don't really agree with the way that people kind of frame this, right? I, I think it was a different problem. He took an approach that addressed the problem at hand. And when you look at the use case of this, you know, uh, the problem with Ethereum is people are losing billions of dollars to a hack or whatever right now. Um, you know, they're they're losing their money in the middle of transactions. And it's all those things that come with that application development of aspect that we talk about. Of You throw something out there, uh, it may have some bugs in it, uh, but it would only be exposed to, you know, one out of one million people. So it's a problem. Well, you know, Charles found a problem with that, right? Because again, he's trying to get a system that's going to go work in third world countries in Africa and transform the developing world. And so we have to have something that's secure. We have to have something that's uh, not as subject to hack. We have to have something that is, is more sound for financial systems. And that's what he did. Uh, so, you know, I just don't agree with it. And I'm, I was really curious as to how you had seen that, that argument kind of coming up. Yeah, no, I and I, I agree. I think you summed it up actually perfectly well with it was a different problem, you know, to solve for Charles and the Cardano platform than it is with, you know, any other application that you're going to create to go out and query a database and, you know, display some data on a web page. You know, that is it's just a much different problem that you're trying to solve than, you know, trying to create a new financial system for stores of value and, and validating those transactions on a, on a ledger. And, and like you're saying, using all of the things at his disposal, cryptography experts, um, you know, bank using the banking language uh, as the starting point. I mean, he clearly has, has really taken a well thought out approach, which I think we would all agree this problem necessitates. Yeah. And you know, when, when we look into not only the, the coding languages, but the breadth of problems that he can solve, right? I think the other problem or the other thing with Haskell is it's very much, you can probably do anything with it, right? They, they went and, and kind of researched that. Um, another thing that I, I appreciate that Charles looked into very much was the problem of decentralization, right? Which a lot of people there's, and again, we're not going to be able to determine for anybody on here, you know, centralization. The, the term is uh, apparently different based on who you're talking to, right? But um, there's problems, in my opinion, right now with the decentralization in each one of these, right? I don't think any of these are completely decentralized at this point. I do think they're more decentralized than what we currently have. I do think that we have better ability to not get shut down or censored on these types of system because of the level of decentralization that they have. I do think that is, is an effective level of decentralization, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to claim that Cardano is, is way more centralized versus or decentralized or centralized versus Bitcoin on here. Um, but I do think Charles went into the problem significantly and mathematically proved out his model 
that said, you know, this is a this has potential to be a very, very decentralized system with the approach that they put out, right? And, um, you know, it's it still needs to be borne out. And I, I remember about a year ago, they had problems where they could actually see nodes starting to concentrate uh, in certain areas for um, the the centralization of, of producing some of those Cardano blocks. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, as far as what I've seen, they put in probably one of the biggest efforts to try to decentralize uh, their system from multiple angles, from not only creating the blocks, but the distributing of cash, and then the governance of the system itself um, as well. They've got a governance model with a, a, a treasury, and you have to vote to get the, it's like a smart contract in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's that's something that I always thought that, um, Ada or uh, Cardano has yeah. uh, invested a lot of time into. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, it's it, the whole decentralized stuff. I mean, I'm trying not to go because I mean, even XRP, you know, Ripple, um, th- that that has been come, you know, that's been discussed about the decentralized nature of that, but yet they hold all of the coins themselves. <laughs> and so, you know, that kind of, that gets into a little bit of an argument, but yeah, that, that's something that's going to be, I think just, you know, worked out, teased out as this, like I said, this rush, this new technology rush that just like the internet in the nineties, that once this thing really comes together and we start to get, unfortunately, but I think we still need some regulations and some things around how these things are going to be governed and managed um, that can be consistent so that when you say a term, you know that that term is going to be consistent across, you know, that entire platform. And that's, yeah, I don't, I, you're right though. But at the end of the day, what Charles did here was he really did look at how do we answer the questions and how do we um, stand on our feet and say that this is a platform for the masses that has, you know, these features and that we can provide this store value and this transaction log and this ledger so that we can have validity around it. And that, you know, I think he has a very good video about that if folks want to go out and listen to it. Yeah. Um, there's another person that uh, I remember he said that uh, I think it's Michael Saylor or somebody's really big into Bitcoin. Um, and this is something you've got to watch out for. Um, but he said, you know, I think Car- Cardano is, you know, centralized mainly because it was made by a company, IOHK, right? Which is yeah. Charles Hoskinson's company. Uh-huh. But, you know, that's factually, in, I mean, it was made by them initially, but they released it onto a mainnet that is literally controlled by thousands and thousands of different, you know, devices. Uh, across the globe. So they released it into a decentralized environment. It is not no longer in possession, really, of IOHK. Uh, what Charles did do was, you know, give himself a lot of money, you know, that uh, now uh, he's worth a lot of money with with uh, Cardano and Ethereum. But, um, um, you know, it's uh, not centralized in that way. So that's completely false. That's not true. Um, and and uh, if somebody says that, that's a misunderstanding of, of how this thing has been distributed and where it's at currently today. Well, since we're dispelling myths, what about um, the notion that ADA is better than uh, Bitcoin because Bitcoin is apparently <laughs> only mined in China? <laughs> yeah. And so you're going to see a lot of arguments against Bitcoin for like, oh, 
there's only 10% of miners that mine all the Bitcoin and um, all kinds of things of, of that nature. China owns it. You know, this is totally not true either. Um, you know, Bitcoin is pretty damn decentralized. I don't care who you are. First of all, you know, every node has to download the entire data of everything that's going on in that environment, right? But this has been said, it's not true. Um, China did try to take over Bitcoin in 2017 and they ended up forking it. Uh, they were unable to take it over. So if anything, Bitcoin proved that it cannot be taken over by one of the most powerful governments in the entire world. Um, and it is decentralized in that kind of way. Now, does it have scalability issues? Absolutely, it does. It can't do that many transactions, and it's very hard to do work and program things on Bitcoin. But is it decentralized? In my opinion, I don't think it's really worth the argument as to whether uh, Bitcoin is more decentralized than ADA. I think both of them are going to run into issues in the, the future, but I think both of them are fairly decentralized um, in, in terms of how much you can provide as far as decentralization um, as, as they can be. Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy. Like I was watching a thing the other day about how, I think it was in the UK, uh, you know, some cops were busting what they thought was a weed farm uh because they were monitoring the electricity usage and they bust in there and to their surprise it's full of bitcoin miners <laughs> and they had been you know sucking off of the energy from the industrial power line and mining bitcoin in some warehouse out in the middle of nowhere and so i think yeah we're gonna have folks that are jumping to conclusions all across the place and uh, it is best you know the more that we can try to dispel some of those things that we do that because um, you know, that's how some of those bad rumors start to proliferate and get, get some, get, well, they start to cause some downward spirals and prices. I know that much looking at my, uh, my chart. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, don't let people scare you out of Bitcoin. I think it's the biggest mm -hmm. thing. And, uh, don't be trying to pick the winner out of each one of them right now. If I were, you know, the person, but I don't give financial advice. Okay. I mean, people don't know enough is what I'm trying to tell you. So, you know, yeah. take all this with a grain of salt, folks. Yep. You know what? I think to sum it up best would be educate yourself. That's what we're trying to do is help educate you and also educate ourselves. But, you know, if you want to learn more, go out and read some more, watch some videos <laughs> with Charles uh, and, and, you know, get, get some knowledge on this because the more that you have, the more opportunity you have to potentially, you know, gain financial freedom potentially again you know it just depends on how you look at it and how you use it absolutely so we just a you know while we're talking about cardano here and i think just a couple of things maybe to close it up um one of the other big things that people talk about is and heck i've even come into myself here now that i've you know, sold some Bitcoin and, and maybe uh, transferred some things for Bitcoin to another coin is the amount of time that it takes for that transaction to complete. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, I'm curious, I, I think that the amount of time for Cardano, a transaction speed is like five minutes right now. Um, and Bitcoin, you have it like 78 minutes. Um, and, you know, we could we could go along the, the spectrum here, but 
Um, any thoughts about the the speed of transaction? I mean, do you think that that's going to give Cardano any kind of an edge? And you know, and is that five minutes now? Is it going to be you know seconds after uh, an upgrade? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's going to be massively faster and, and give it an advantage over Bitcoin. I don't think it's going to really hurt Bitcoin stock too much again because people are using it as a store of value, right? I mean, uh, 78 minutes is still better than four or five days or whatever yeah. they have to wait to, to get their value or if they're buying gold, uh, for instance, uh -huh. a lot of gold savers are going to be hitting Bitcoin and, and a lot of gold savers do. So yeah. most of the time your Bitcoin people are long-term investors. They're not doing a bunch of transactions. They're not really going to care. Uh, at all. And I don't know if Bitcoin will work on the scaling or not. I'm, I'm not familiar with uh, if they're trying to tackle that problem or not right now. I know it's very difficult to get things done on Bitcoin, but Cardano should be, you know, thousands of times faster. And then um, they do have an upgrade that will come and make it, you know, potentially 10 times faster than that. Um, that's that's going to come up very soon. So Cardano and the, the way that they handle uh, different uh, assets and the way that they uh, pre-stage uh, different things that have to take place for transactions, for instance, uh, it makes it much faster in terms of, of what they're doing. Um, and so just the nature of, of how they're handling the protocols and how they've structured different events or where they're staging different types of money that needs to be liquid in order for an exchange of value to happen, um, they do that and they encourage people to you know, for instance, put their money, uh, they stake it um, in Cardano or on a, an exchange, and it makes it available for those transactions to happen much faster. So um, they basically, you have the liquidity available, and um, there's other stuff that has to be done there. And, and it makes it much different than the transactions than what you're seeing on Bitcoin. Um, so I think that it gives it a huge edge in that kind of... Um, in this type of situation, but not only that, you know, it makes it now functional for everyday things, which is what Cardano is going for. Again, we have to have that type of speed for the third world to be getting any kind of value out of this as well. Yep. Totally agree. Um, and I think it massively, you know, a lot of developers, the things that they hear about, um, you know, the the current environment is that blockchain has performance problems. I think it's going to address much of that narrative as well as Cardano starts to roll out if it's working well. And let's not, you know, let's not play favorites here. Ethereum also is rolling out their uh, big thing earlier to try to handle more transactions as well. Um, and it should greatly improve the performance of their system their system is pretty bad as far as performance and it's very expensive right now. So they're trying to do things to lower that cost and it should be fairly competitive with Cardano. But, you know, when you look at the business cases, Cardano set up to take government institutions, financial institutions and, and by storm, in my opinion, and anything involving identity or security around that uh, regard, which is foundational to most every application. And Ethereum is really set up to attack the private sector companies or gaming and uh, music market and things of that nature as it sits today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
really, if we were to sum up Cardano here, uh, and you know, in a way that that we've described it, I mean, it, I'm going to be kind of funny here for a minute, but you know, it it allows us to get back to the days of horse trading, right? I mean, really, you know, <laughs> hey, I have this, I have a '68 Chevelle, and I want to trade it for your 22 acres of property. And, you know, we can make that deal without having to go to a bank and get an approval and get an appraisal and get a credit check and do all of these things. We can, you know, we can do that. And Cardano is making it more secure so that we're not susceptible for using that. We're not susceptible to the, the challenges that Ethereum has had. I mean, we talked about briefly the hacks that have occurred on ethereum but don't look too far than erc ethereum or etc ethereum classic right where that coin was created because of a hack and they had a substantial amount of ethereum coins that they had to do something with and they didn't burn them they forked it and so that is a it's a real thing and that's that's one of the reasons why we want to talk about Cardano, just the, the things that we see as it relates to possibilities, the security that's being built into it. And again, just that that overall option of providing financial options to people today that they don't have out in the market to be able to do things. Yeah. And, you know, just the things it has going for it, why I think it's going to be successful is one, I think it's got a pretty good uh, test case to get started on. Two, I think with their coding languages, they're going to attract today the largest pool of existing programmers or, or developers, which are Java and C Sharp and Python uh, programmers. So, uh, and then uh, they're also going to attract some hidden talents from academics uh, who do a lot with Haskell. So uh, I think it's going to bring kind of a, a very strong community around it as well from uh, application building. And then lastly, it's just, um, you know, all those business benefits, I think, are going to just bring people to it. So the safety and security also with it, it provides you all the things the blockchain is supposed to provide you, except it's supposed to be faster. It's supposed to be more secure. And then it's supposed to, it has a nice, robust foundation for a solid community behind it. And there's a lot of documentation and support behind this system as well, which you don't get in these others as well. So I think they've done a nice job of setting the foundation. Um, we'll see how they do when they roll out kind of this stuff on um, the main net coming up here in a few weeks uh, but uh, or a few months. But uh, yeah, I think Cardano is an excellent project and I think it's set to take the world by storm, especially the financial world. Yep. I totally agree. Couldn't uh, couldn't agree more. And I think we will wrap it up with just saying that, you know, again, we do not provide financial advice. Uh, we're not even going to tell you how much we're in on Cardano, uh, except for if it does well, we'll do well. Um, but, you know, just take take what we have as education and as information. And by gosh, go check it, you know, um, make sure that, you know, what we provided is accurate and let us know if it's not. Um, and I, I don't know if you have anything else to close on uh, Cardano, if there's anything other or any other topics that you had or anything else you wanted to touch on. Nope, I don't. I'm just glad to be here, Joe. All right. Me too. Um, and speaking of being here, we will be here again in the near future. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for the next uh 
episode and we will work on providing even more knowledge around the crypto world and uh, try to define those things for you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.